You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm with Julie Broad. Julie is the founder of Book Launchers, and I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk to her about how we as advisors can amplify our message. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chip. So you and I had an opportunity to meet not long ago uh, via a conference, and I've, as I've told you, having written a book and gone through a lot of the things that you teach and coach about, I realize how scary that can be for advisors. But for folks who don't have the benefit of knowing your story, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Thank you. It's always a, a funny one because people say, oh, what's your background in publishing? And I go, I'm a real estate investor. <laughs> Because I started investing in real estate in 2001, and I built a real estate training and education company in Canada, which is where I'm from originally. Los Angeles is home now. But yeah, so in Canada, I built a real estate training and education company and started to build a profile around it and got approached by a couple of different publishing companies. And I said, great, I'm so excited. I have a great book idea. You know, here it is. And they both said, "Mm, no, like that real estate book's already been done. And Wiley, though, said, we're interested in you. Uh, So here's an idea we have, and we've been looking for an author for, and maybe you could do this. So we went back and forth on a book proposal for three months. I was pretty sure this was ending in a book deal because, you know, they gave me the idea (laughs) and we were refining the proposal together. But they sent me an email that said the marketing department didn't think I had a strong enough platform to sell books. So They'd first eliminated my book idea. And then second, they eliminated me. (laughs) So I was stuck and really kind of thinking, you know, my ego had to recover, first of all. But then I kind of went back to that first idea. And I had read a ton of books on making money, real estate investing. And, you know, I've been doing a deep dive into that for over a decade and thought, you know what, this book has not been written and I'm going to write it. And then I thought kind of with a little bit of vengeance that I'm going to do it better than if Wiley had done it for me. And I self-published and I dove deep into self-publishing to learn everything that there was about creating a great book and marketing it. And I took that book, which was called More Than Cashflow. I took it to number one on Amazon in Canada, not number one in a category, which is still great. You know, all of you that have done that, that's great. But I was number one in books. (laughs) The category I was in was books. Uh, Ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones. And I stayed there for 36 hours. And I was also in the top 100 print books for 45 days. So I sold thousands and thousands of books. Side benefit to that from a financial perspective was the clients that came into my real estate training and education company and were sold before they called. They wanted in, they had their credit card out, they were ready to go. And then also on our investment side, we had people with money calling and saying, we're really interested in giving you money. And we were able to level up from houses into commercial at that point. So lots of pieces, how I got to book launchers, there's a little bit more. Do we have another minute? (laughs) Absolutely. So from there, I started working with a lot of real estate investors who wanted to write books. Some of my friends had gotten book deals and I helped them. And so I actually was involved in four Wiley books, maybe even five after that. 
And so I got to see a really big picture of the publishing landscape. And two big things jumped out at me. The first is that self-published authors typically write the book and then figure out how to market it. When you're going the traditional route, they figure out how they're going to market it before they give you a book deal. So that's a pretty big challenge for self-published authors. And I really could see the need for a company that thought marketing before you even write. And that was the one piece. The other piece is when you are a subject matter expert running another business of some kind, and then you go to try to write your book without help, you're now project managing and figuring out not only what you have to do next, but who you're going to hire, what makes the right hire for that. And a lot of people do it in the wrong order. They hire an editor, but it's not the right editor. And they hire a designer, but they actually haven't finished creating the concept for their book. And everything's out of order and it makes a mess and again, makes it hard to market. So I brought everything under one roof. We market your book at the end. We pitch you to podcasts. We look for live appearances. We do Amazon ads and we do it all. And then because when you're writing the book, we know what's going to work on the marketing side. You're set up for a better chance of success. So there's lots of gaps in the market in that space to have it all under one roof. And frankly, I love writing more than I love real estate. I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid, but somebody told me writers don't make money. So I ended up doubling down and doing an undergrad in business and an MBA in finance. (laughs) Yeah, again, I ended up as a financial advisor from being a sixth grade teacher. So one of the things that I found is that everybody has a story. And one of the things I find interesting about your story, and maybe just to lay some of the foundation for folks who aren't familiar, what's the difference between self-publishing and traditional? Because you mentioned a book deal, and I don't know that everybody realizes kind of the difference in terms of time, creative freedom, costs, et cetera. What would you define as the major differences between those two different ways of getting published? Thank you. This is a really important thing that a lot of people do not understand. So I'm glad you're highlighting it for folks. So there's actually kind of three buckets that you can fall into as an author. There's the traditional, there's something called hybrid, and then there's self-publishing. And with traditional, the publisher owns the rights and then they pay you a royalty, they're going to cover all the upfront costs. And a lot of people have the misconception that the advantage of going with traditional publishers is they're going to market your book for you. That's not the truth. The truth is the advantage of going with a traditional publisher is they're going to upfront the cost. That's really it. And in exchange for that, they're going to take about seven eighths of the royalty and they keep all the rights. So if a book has potential to turn into a TV or a movie, which happens more than you think, you're not the one negotiating, the publisher is. And the publisher is taking their cut of that. Sometimes the author even gets shoved out of it. So it's really important to know they're keeping your intellectual property and giving you a small royalty in exchange for taking the upfront risk. And they have better bookstore distribution. That's really the big thing. And bookstore distribution is less important than ever. So it's becoming not as big of an advantage for traditional publishers. The middle ground is hybrid. Hybrid is where they are kind of like a publisher. So they tend to have bookstore distribution. They tend to have a little bit more of the benefits of traditional, but you're still paying them and they're still keeping royalties or rights. A lot of people call them vanity publishers. Some are vanity and that's not said in kindness, but there are some decent hybrids out there. But generally speaking, my opinion is if you're going to go hybrid, why not go all in and go self-published? keep your rights, keep your royalties, have complete clarity of who owns what and who controls it. And that really is to me, the big thing with self-publishing is you're the publisher, you own all the rights, it's your intellectual property, you can do whatever the heck you want with it and all the money goes to you. 
it is a risk. You're upfronting the cost, you're upfronting it. But at the end of the day, in every one of those options, you're the marketer. Full stop. You are responsible for selling your book. You're responsible for getting that book into the hands of readers. So that's really the main differences. But if you can see a question that you want answered out of that, I'm happy to explore more. Well, one of the things that I understand, another difference is, and it would depend in part, I guess the importance of it depends on the topic, is time to market, right? Yes. My understanding is, and, and in my experience, because my book, as I told you, was self-published, is that you can go from idea or concept to physical book, I think a lot faster even as a self-published author. It, what's the difference in timetable between being self-published and maybe the way that you all do things relative to traditional publishing? So in traditional, typically you're going to be working with an agent. The agent will shop it around for at least six months. You finally get a deal and then you're usually looking at two years from that deal before it's actually out into the marketplace. Occasionally you'll go a little faster, but you know, ballpark, you're probably about two and a half years away from publishing with a traditional publisher. Self-publishing the way we do it, our goal is to have the book be as good or better than a traditionally published book. So we don't cut corners on editing. We take it really seriously. So we're looking at nine to 15 months with us. You can do it faster on your own. Certainly there's some people who do a book in 90 days. Again, we're really focused on creating a really high quality marketable book. So we're not super fast, but it's still much faster than two and a half years. And some people are three years in that traditional space trying to get you know from start to the actual time the book is in the reader's hands. So when you look at, because you guys specialize in working with coaches, professionals, you know, folks like that, when you look at the need, who do you feel like needs a book? That's a great question. And I'm definitely not one of those people who will tell you everybody should have a book because it's an investment of time and effort and energy. <laughs> so maybe everybody could have a book, but I don't necessarily think everybody should. But anybody who needs to be seen for their expertise, I think will extremely benefit from it. And especially if you want to pursue speaking engagements, media opportunities, you want to use the book as a tool. Like I said, one of the big benefits of my book was there was the sales funnel that used to take three months to build trust with people so they would invest in our $10,000 mastermind was gone. It was eliminated. People were calling and saying, I want in your program. It had gone from three months to, you know, zero. <laughs> and that's an enormous benefit for people that is underrated and not always emphasized. But you have to write the right book in order for that to happen. And that's another piece is not any book is going to have that end result. So you have to figure out you know, what you want to happen from the book. And if you have a clear goal and a, and a message that's unique, then I, I really do think you should write a book. And I think it's important to point out that you weren't just selling books. I mean, you probably made more money off of your normal business, your coaching and consulting and your training than you did on actual book sales. And it sounds to me like you sold an awful lot. So that's not to in any way diminish that accomplishment. It's just that I'm wanting to point out that you know, as advisors, one client can easily be $10,000 a year in recurring revenue or more. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you know, putting together and selling the book, the return on investment, when you talked about it being an investment, and we're in the investment business, I happen to be someone who feels like an advisor can't find a better investment in the market than in themselves if they do it well. 
it seems to me like you were able to do exponentially better in actually using the book as a promotional tool for your other, whether that was, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but for your main business. Yeah. And it did surprise me, honestly, because in my book, my angle on it was that you might actually not want to be a real estate investor. That was my perspective. And so all the books in the marketplace were saying invest in real estate. And I was going like, I owned a crack house and I got charged with property code violations. And I kind of outlined all these things. I wondered if anybody would want me as a coach. I told them those things. So I didn't really think it was going to be a tremendous benefit to my business, but it turns out people actually like when you're real and authentic. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's hard to beat crack house investor turns real estate and publishing tycoon. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with that. So, um, but I I think that it's important to note that what it did do, and, and again, I think this is important for advisors, is it you mentioned it shortening the sales cycle. You know, one of the toughest things can be in our business, moving somebody who doesn't know you through that cycle of that process of trust. And for me, my experience with my book has been that if somebody has read it, it's roughly 200 pages. I mean, you spent several hours getting to know me through this process. So when you look at putting together a book, for a professional, for an advisor, what's involved from start to finish? I've got an idea, but that's in. I feel like I've just got, because this is what happened to me. You got that burning desire to put this idea out there. From there until, you know, for the nine or 15 months, what's the process look like in putting together a book? So first of all, we want to understand why you want to write the book so we can make sure you're writing the right book. And one of the things that does happen is people want to tell their story, but their story doesn't lead them to where they want to go with their book. So first of all, it's understanding that goal, but then it's digging into who that reader is. So in the financial space, who's your ideal customer? Because that's who you want to write the book for if you want it to come back to your business. So think about, you know, I know there's a lot of people that come into this and they say, I want to help the people who can't afford my service. That's great, but it's not going to help your business if you write the book for that person. So you can write two books. But write the book to grow your business is to that ideal customer and figure out what you do that's a little bit different than all your competitors, because this is your opportunity to differentiate yourself. And everybody has a differentiation point. You just sometimes have to work a little harder and it can help you to have somebody else to see what's cool about you sometimes. So having a third party kind of go through this with you. To give you an example, we've done a handful of retirement books, you know, how to retire, working with different planners and financial advisors that teach and help people um, with retirement strategy. So we got a client came in and he was saying, you know what, I like to look at retirement as graduation. You know, it's not the end of your working life. It's kind of that point where something's new and you're graduating into a new environment. And so we rolled with that with his book and his name's Eric Brotman and his book came out, Don't Retire, Graduate. And then we kind of went a little crazy with him and we had fun and we turned his, instead of his table contents, it's a school curriculum. And we take you through freshman year and all of the different kind of years as we walk you through the options around retirement. That's differentiated his entire business. When he goes on TV and talks on the media, the media eats this up. So what makes you a little different? And look at things that annoy you with your industry 
that can be something um, people that think are true, but you don't actually believe are true. There's always kind of industry things. One thing I always challenged was passive income. If you're a real estate investor, you know, uh, more properties doesn't necessarily mean you're rich. It can mean you're just fixing a lot more roofs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ways to define passive. And, and for me, as a not Mr. Fix-It, real estate for me is not passive at all. So I know exactly what you mean. So in your process, I've gotten this idea. We have a conversation. I have shared my story because this is very much in line kind of with the method that I would tell advisors to use just in building out their practice in general mm -hmm. is to understand and know your story, to define one target market, avatar, whatever we want to, at least at a time, right, for different books or in, in marketing in, in whatever ways. And so, all right, we're clear on that. Now what? What do we do next? Because I can imagine I've done a lot of it. And so the idea for a lot of people, and I think this is worth pointing out, that when you hand somebody a book, they're impressed. They don't have to read it. I mean, they don't have to care what it says. They can't believe that you did it. But that also can be overwhelming. So the idea of, I really would like to have this, but I don't even know where to start and what to do? How do you even get it off the ground? And that's really why book launchers exists, because we're going to guide you through the whole process, you know, so you don't have to think about what's next. And it starts with, we have a story expert. Our story expert's going to work with you to kind of figure out who's your reader. What's the hook of the book? So what's the ultimate outcome for the reader? Because the one thing I have to emphasize with most of our clients is the book might be about you, but it's not for you. It's for that reader. And so focus on that reader. What do they need to know? And what's the outcome when they're done reading your book? And a lot of people who write memoirs kind of fall down here because they focus on their story. The story is about them, but what does the reader get at the end? Now with financial books, a little bit more straightforward, but still, what's that unique spin on it? That's your hook. And then you figure out what every chapter in the book is based on solely delivering that outcome. You might have a whole bunch of other great information. You're going to have to save that for another book because your goal with this book is to deliver on that outcome for the reader. And that's the hook of the book. And so everything really layers on based on that hook. Then your plan is, okay, now I'm going to write the book based on that. And then it really goes back to the editing, editing to get the book polished into, you know, what you want. Our goal, our first goal is a bad first draft. There's no standard higher than, you know, get everything out of your head onto the paper. And we don't worry about too much in terms of how it's written because we can polish it later. So that's kind of our initial process, but the hook is essential. And what happens, there's two things that happen with a lot of writers. One is they start writing and then they detour off and all of a sudden they're writing a totally different book. <laughs> and sometimes that's the process you have to go through to get to the book that you really need to write, but it can help having this process in the beginning because most of our clients take a month before they even write their book. We're working with them to figure out all of these pieces before they even start to write. And then they're more likely to be on the right track. The other thing that happens is people go through this, I call it the roller coaster of emotions. So you kind of go, this book is awesome. Everybody's going to love it. It's going to do amazing things for my business. And then you crash down the other side going, this sucks. Nobody's going to read it. I'm going to be embarrassed when it comes out. <laughs> and that process, you're nodding. So I know that you've gone through this and you felt that. And I just finished my third book. I felt it and I still feel it now that it hasn't launched yet. I'm still having those moments of, geez, like I run a book publishing company. What if people think this book sucks? <laughs> so those feelings are normal. And if you've gone through this process and you know your book is something that has a clear outcome for a reader, 
there's readers that need that book. And you got to just keep taking yourself back to that to ground yourself in why you're doing this and who this book will help. So let's talk a little bit about the excuses that we hear. One of them is there are so many books on X topic. Why would anybody buy mine? One of the things that I learned, because imposter syndrome in all forms and fashions is real. We deal with that in sales, in this book and publishing arena, but it becomes a situation where one of the things where I had to kind of come to terms with is the notion that there are plenty of people in the world and there are some of them that will only hear that same message from you. Mm-hmm. And everybody, whether it was real estate investing or as an advisor or, or whatever, you have your own story. You have your own way of explaining things. And, and there are certain ways and certain people that only you will resonate. What are some of the things that you hear when you have folks, because you do a lot of speaking, but also when folks call into you, what's the apprehension What are some of the excuses that you hear? I mean, there's lots of fears and imposter syndrome probably is the biggest one. They don't show up as imposter syndrome all the time though, right? They all cloak themselves. I call them all the monsters. You know, one of my biggest monsters is fear of judgment. And so this one we see in the editing process all the time. People won't let go of their book. They're always editing. They want us to bring on another editor. They think more is better and they end up diluting their wonderful message by over editing it. So it comes in all different forms. You kind of have to realize and notice when you're getting in your own way. And it's not a skill everyone has. And so what I always tell people as a generic way to address all these monsters that come out is to take it back to that reader. Because when you're writing this book to help someone else, you put your reader at the center. The problem with a lot of people that come into this, and this is partly the way these services get marketed to you is they're marketing you to be the bestseller, to be the expert, to be the name everybody knows and to make more money. And all of that messaging puts you in the center of this whole plan. And when you're in the center, you're setting your ego up to be the driver. And that driver then lets all those monsters out of the closet and they get to have a great big old party and they want to beat you down. So whether it's a fear of success an imposter syndrome, a fear of judgment, whatever it is, you know, a fear of not being good enough, they're all going to come out. So The best way I find is to have them all join you in the car because they're coming anyways, but put your focus on that reader. And whenever those monsters come up, just be like, yep, I know you're there. Cool. But we got to focus on this reader who needs my message. They need to hear what I'm saying. And I just want to go back to the one thing you said about there already being a book. You know, there's already books out there because we do a lot in the finance space. I can tell you, yes, there's lots of books in the finance space already. However, There's two things. One is we've done a lot of research and there's still niches that are not covered. Like we're doing keyword research and book research and there's still niches that are not, they're completely untapped that people are searching for. And finance for people in their fifties, just FYI, that'd be a great book subject. (laughs) That was one that came up, but but that's one piece. But the other thing is kind of what you said, this book, if you do it right, it's your unique spin on what's going on. And you don't have to be completely different You just need to be a little bit different. And by being you and bringing your authentic voice into this, your book will be different and it will be something a reader needs so long as you put the reader at the center of your focus. And I think that then in taking that next step, so now you have the book in your hand. And if you've done it the way that you're talking about, now is where the payoff comes. You've done all the work. It's kind of like the preseason in sports. You've done all the work. Now you have the book 
And if you've done it the way that you're talking about, if you've based it on, and I think this is one of the important parts of your process is that you're starting with, how am I going to market it? Who is it for? Who is my ideal person? And then if you've kept them at the center the entire time, when it comes time to actually have that book in hand and use it or have a conversation or use it as I've heard people refer to it as a, a $15 business card, kind of getting you in the door to anywhere and anybody, then you can really be successful because you've put in the work there for it to resonate with exactly who it is that you want to go out and meet. So when it comes to marketing a book, again, I can imagine kind of the eyes glaze over of, you know, having a box of books in my office seems cool enough. But the idea of when you look at for a professional, if the money is not necessarily in selling the books, why and how do you go about marketing it in order to have more people see it? We can generally understand what the point is, but I think it's interesting or, or it would be interesting for me to know kind of why and how you actually market to have the right people find the book. Yeah, for sure. And our strategies depend on what you have to work with. So some people have an existing audience. So for example, you've got your podcast listeners, people might have an email newsletter. I don't put a lot of weight on social media, but social media does have value for some people if you've got great engagement. You know, we've seen clients with Instagram followers that have sold a lot of books from their Instagram following. And we had one client who wrote a book in the finance space who had a lot of Twitter followers. And I kind of said, oh, Twitter's not going to sell books, but he proved me really wrong. <laughs> so it is possible, but social media doesn't tend to sell a lot of books. When I talk audience, I'm really talking YouTube audience, you know, podcasters, but it really comes back to the engagement of that audience. If you have those folks to work with, your pre-launch strategy will revolve around engaging them so that you've got sales on launch, you've got momentum, and then you can use that momentum to carry you forward. If you don't have that existing audience that's engaged, then you're going to be using your book as a tool to build your platform and really get yourself out there. Both work. You just have to manage your expectations around what launch looks like and how you're measuring your success. So for the people that don't have a platform and an audience, it's the same kind of post-launch strategy as what we do for the people with an audience. You're just starting with more of a buildup. The number one thing you need to focus on is getting book reviews. Everything else will go better if you have book reviews. 25 is kind of our bare minimum that we want to shoot for. They're really hard to get. So, you know, just prepare yourself in advance that you're probably going to ask, you know, 10 people and five will say yes, and maybe two will do it. <laughs> So prepare yourself for that, that you're going to have to ask a lot. What we do then after that is we're using that book to open the doors. So media, live appearances, speaking engagements, podcast interviews, all of those things. We're saying, hey, this is the author of such and such. And, you know, they've got this kind of a topic. Your audience looks like, you know, we kind of do the research first to figure out the audience, what they need and the angle that the author can speak about or can offer value to that audience we're not focused on selling the book. We're focused on getting the author in front of that audience. Book sales might be the side effect, but a lot of times it's business. This opens the door, but the book is the piece that has them going, oh, they've written a book. We trust them. A book is better than a degree in the majority of instances, because almost everybody you're competing with in your industry has the same credentials as you. They've educated similar way. They've taken similar courses, but they haven't written the book on the problem that you're solving. And that is the piece that opens the door. And then you get out there and, you know, you share your message and you'll sell books and you'll grow your business. Well, and I told you, 
earlier, from the time, say the beginning of 2020, I've been quoted or published 30 different times since my book came out, but it's 100% because of, and I also mentioned to you that I, I used a, a book promoter, for lack of a better word, marketer, to help with some of the PR of that. They were significantly more expensive than your service. I just want to, for folks who want to go and find out how to do it, that's a, at least an endorsement of your relative value. <laughs> but it's hard to believe how just, and, and I'm located in a small market, first book, how getting it into the right hands can all of a sudden open up Business Insider, CNBC, you know, some of these places where, mm -hmm. again, at least you're going to get a lot of eyeballs. But I think that to your point, and maybe really kind of the idea of going the podcast direction and some of those, is that's where you really get, you go from the social proof of having some nice logos to actually talking to the people that would be your customers directly. Tell us a little bit more about your service. So uh, again, we, we've talked about kind of some of the foundational things, but if an advisor is, yeah, they like the idea of having a book, but they don't have time. That's another excuse I hear a, a lot of. Tell us a little bit about what it would be like to work with book launchers and what's the commitment on the part of the author? So we're set up as a membership. And so it's very unique. Nobody else is set up as a membership. And it's that way for two reasons. One is that you don't have to upfront a cost. So there's not a big fee, which a lot of people will ask you for twenty-five dollars or $35,000 upfront. And then you're committed to them. And if it doesn't work out, you know, you're kind of stuck. So this is really set up for flexibility. You can cancel at any time. But it's also set up that way because we want to work with you for a long, long time. We want to market your book, have you see success write your next book with you and your next book. We have many clients that are rolling into their second and, and one into their third books now. So you'd come with us, we'd create that story, you know, working with a story expert, build that book. And then we pair you with a writing coach or a writer. And some people start off with a writing coach and then realize they don't want to write their book. <laughs> then we pair them with a writer. <laughs> it's flexible that way. You can do it either way. And then we put it through editing, design, we do keyword research, category research. Again, everything's really marketing focused. We're brainstorming titles and subtitles. We brainstorm your table of contents. We start meeting with you. Our marketing team has their first meeting with you when your book goes to the first edit because we're going to start laying that marketing strategy and foundation. Time-wise, I always tell people, if you can put five hours a week towards this most weeks, you're going to move through in that nine to 15 month timeframe. If you're writing it for the first time and you're going to write it yourself, you can expect to spend somewhere between three to six months in the writing process, knowing I have clients that have taken more than a year and a couple that have done it in faster than three months. But most people are going to be in that three to six month range to write their book. And then it takes, you know, usually two to three months to edit it, design and then launch and marketing. So it's a full picture. Everything's on our website that we walk you through. Everything's included. We care about your success so much. Sometimes we fight with our authors because they want to do something that is not going to help their book succeed. And we're all going, you're doing the wrong thing. But <laughs> ultimately, it's self-publishing. So you get to do whatever you want. But we rally behind you and support you. But you always know if we disagree. <laughs> well, it's a lot like we tell our clients, you know, or, or maybe we don't tell them. We just think it sometimes, which is you're paying me for my advice. If I'm supposed to be the expert, maybe you should take it. And, and I will say this kind of as we begin to wrap up, one of the things that I have fallen prey to 
many times in my career, but the book can certainly bring that out. As you mentioned earlier, your ego and the difference. Uh, I've heard lots of talk about the difference between wanting to be rich and wanting to be famous. And I would just caution anybody who's listening, whether you're writing it yourself or whether you're working with somebody like Book Launchers and Julie, to recognize the difference because there's a big difference between using this as a tool to drive revenue into your business or because you can spend a lot of money trying to be famous and end up with a poor return on investment. So Julie, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being an action-oriented podcast. So if an advisor has heard us yeah, and believes in the idea of wanting to get a book out, what would you say is the first thing or, or what's one thing that they could do today to move the ball down the field, to take some action? We actually have a workbook that you can download for free on seven steps to write a book that will sell. And it walks you through a lot of these questions that will help you figure out who's your reader, what's your goal, and what's the hook of your book. So they can get that at booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. It's the number seven, number seven steps. And then that's really, really a great place to start because that's going to walk you through the thinking and the kind of the pieces. And I've heard from quite a few authors that have written books, they go, this is the thing I didn't do. <laughs> So if you do that, you're going to be setting yourself up for a better chance of success from day one, whatever route you go. That's awesome. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Julie, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I mean, downloading that, when you hit reply, that actually goes to me still to this day. Someday I'll change it. <laughs> but not that many people actually take advantage of that. And our YouTube channel, I live on our YouTube channel. I'm always responding to our comments. So booklaunchers.tv. Uh, there's tons of great tips there too. Every Tuesday, Friday, there's new videos. But yeah, if you post a comment question there, I shoot a video to answer the questions a lot of times, but I always, always respond. Awesome. Well, Julie, I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot and will use it to make money in my practice. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Now, if any of this resonated with you and you have a burning desire to take an idea of yours, package it into a book and put it out into the world, I encourage you to reach out to Julie. I encourage you to take advantage of the download and to check it out. You can also reach me and any of the other folks in our Facebook group to ask questions. So I encourage you to check us out in the Facebook group, Maximum Advisor, and we will look forward to seeing you in there. And I look forward to seeing you back here again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group and subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.